This is Christian Book Blurb, brought to you by author and songwriter Matt McClary. Get a behind-the-scenes glimpse into the lives of some of your favourite Christian authors, hear about their books and faith. Also, why not check out my website, mattmcclary.com. Hello, hello, and welcome to another edition of Christian Book Blurb. I'm your host, Matt McClary, and today I have a fantastic author lined up to chat with me. Um, His name is Richard Venable, and we're going to be speaking all about his new book called Worship Leading Essentials. So, first things first, let's say hi to Richard. Hi, Richard. Hi, Matt, and thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to our chat. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us. It's really great to have you here. Um, You've written a great book called Worship Leading Essentials. So um, could you just tell us in a nutshell, what is Worship Leading Essentials about? Yeah, thanks, Matt. Great question. Um, Worship Leading Essentials, I guess... The, the, the primary driver for it for me was uh, probably seeing my boys. I have five sons um, coming up through the church. They're all musical, all at different different points in different ways, different instruments got involved with sort of playing in church and uh, one way or another with worship leading. But I dis- discovered that what that meant was a bit of a sink or swing, swim situation, you know. In other words, I want to have a go. Okay, have a go. And maybe... They get like a half hour chat with the experienced worship leader and then they go and give it a try. And while, of course, you have to learn from experience with something like that, I felt that we could do better in terms of training and discipling uh, young, particularly young worship leaders, although it could be older worship leaders, not particularly an age thing, but it, often it's the teenagers or young 20s or whatever come into leading worship. And I'm, I couldn't see a book out there that did that. There's loads of books on worship, I'm sure you know. Uh, every worship leader has got one, if not more. Uh, great. Some of them have great books uh, on, on worship and worship leading. But there wasn't one that I thought was like a initial training guide for new worship leaders. And I felt God was calling me to, to, to write that book. So that's, that's kind of what it is. So this is aimed at um, people who are new to the whole um, experience or ministry of worship leading. I would say that's its primary aim that it is intended uh, as a book that, that you as, you know, Mr. Experienced worship leader in the church, you know, you're, you're, this person comes along, they're 16, they're 18, they're 35, however old, and they say to you, I want to lead worship. And you say, fantastic, lovely, what a great, you know, Read ambition. this. Sorry? Read this. Yeah, well, not necessarily <laughs> read this, but can we use this yeah, together as a resource through, yeah. to work together and help us to work through, tease out, talk through, pray through um, some of the important issues that are surround, you know, what are the foundations, what are the, what are the aspects, what are the experiences, what are the character issues, and so on that are, that are important for you to think about in your discipleship journey as you, as you, you know, go, in, go into leading worship. So that's how I've seen it. So yes, it is for, for new worship leaders. Some more experienced worship leaders have been very kind about the book, and some of them have said, look, I've been leading worship for 20 years, but actually I found this really helpful. And I think that's probably for two reasons. One, that I've organised stuff that they probably knew 
or a lot of which they knew, but, but I've organised it in a way that was very helpful. And secondly, I've researched the area and brought in wisdom and, and inspiration from some great people, the present and past. So, you know, people like Charles Wesley, Charles Spurgeon, A.W. Tozer, you know, quotations from, from greats of the past, plus moderns like Jeremy Riddle or, or Graham Kendrick, um, who've got great things to say about the subject on the subject uh, today. So, you know, I've brought in a lot of inspiration that I think a lot of people would find helpful. And, and, and there's resources in there that anyone would, would find useful. Mm. So that's who you've written the book for. Um, let's just look at the other side of the coin um, at the moment. Uh, because where have you written it from in terms of... Have you yourself been a worship leader? Are you still a worship leader? Or are you, have you written it more from a church leader's sort of pastoral perspective with that emphasis? It's basically where are you coming from to then write the book, to then help the audience who you've just mentioned? Uh, good point. And you're, you're touching on, a, on, on an area that in, in publishing terms is called your platform, isn't it? Those people that, are, that sort of follow you or whatever. And in a way, that in a way is my weakest link. And I, you know, it's not false modesty to say that I'm not a church uh, pastor, a well-known worship leader or a famous songwriter or anything like that. I'm just a, a guy who's been a, been a worship leader over many, many years, going back to my teens um, not long after I first became a Christian and uh, uh, started leading worship then, small groups, Christian union in my church. But most of my worship has been done in my own church and I haven't done much actually in the last few years because we've got a lot of younger worship leaders that are great and doing a great job um, you know, in the church. So, um, but my heart is, I think my heart is for, for us to be a bit more intentional and deliberate about uh, training our worship leaders. I think we, we, we're quite committed to training preachers, um, pastors, uh, you know, Bible's college for, for, for Bible teachers, and that's really, really valuable and important, but possibly we've maybe been a little bit less uh, less intentional when it's come to worship leaders. And, and I think it's so important because what they do in the church, you know, is, is very, very significant. Hmm. So, it's great that the book is grounded in um, both practical experience and passion and um, also, as you said, also in the last few years, you've been sort of mentoring and trying to train up newer worship leaders as well. So it's kind of come from both, really, the past experience and now also the sort of more mentoring, training, pastoring side of things, which is great. And personally, <laughs> I mean... Yes, okay, from a marketing perspective, if you're a famous worship leader and someone sees your name on a book, they're more likely to buy it. But that doesn't necessarily mean the book is going to be any good. I think <laughs> I think it's much better getting something like this from, you know, someone who has been in the trenches, who's been done the stuff, who served faithfully at a local church level, because let's face it, the people buying the book are going to be people in exactly the same position, not some famous person saying, oh, look, here's a book about worship leading by another famous worship leader. 
No, it, it relates much more to the local, normal, everyday worship leader rather than someone who's, you know, flying around in a super jet, <laughs> earning millions of pounds, singing worship songs all around the world. It's, it's, a, different, it's a different thing completely. Yeah, I'd agree, Matt. And um, I think there's a lot to be said for that. The fact that, 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 that there's something very important about faithful service might only be in one church. I've been in the same church for 35 years now, um, you know, and uh, that's what the Lord's led me to. But obviously everyone has their own experience and some people will have, will have moved around for all kinds of good reasons. Um, but often it's just a small number of churches. Very few people are Matt Redman, you know. If, if <laughs> Matt Redman is fantastic, but <laughs> but not very few of us are going to be have that kind of ministry uh, or fame. Mm, yeah. So you called your book Worship Leading Essentials. Now, <laughs> the word worship um, in in more evangelical modern circles the term worship because i suppose the record industry needed to pigeonhole a certain style of music they slapped the word worship on it and said here we are this is worship music and i've heard in many churches you know some people call the worship leader and what is their role well they sing at the front or they play a guitar and sing at the front or whatever uh, you chat to people, oh, that was a great worship time, and now we're going to listen to the sermon. And it's kind of boxed our perception of what worship is into the bit where we do the singing. Um, wh what is worship just another name for singing songs, or is there more to it than that? Uh, great question, uh, Matt. And um, I think we understand, don't we, that you know, if we read Romans 12, 1 and 2, our whole life is to be is to be a sacrifice of worship to the Lord every day of the week, all through the Sunday service, but, you know, all through the rest of our lives as well. So I think, we, you know, I, I totally get the, the, the wider understanding of the word worship. And yet, obviously, that this book is a is a niche book. It's intended for quite an intent. It, it is intended for that person who is going to stand up on a Sunday morning and lead Um the singing and the songs and choose the songs and choose the band and organize the band and, and, and so on and so forth and work together with everybody else in the service. Um, I think that the book, I'd like to think that the book goes beyond songs and singing. There's definitely songs and singing are a key part of the book. And I don't, well, songs and singing are part of worship. Totally. That, that is true. And, and a very important part and a part that we'll still be doing in heaven, let's remember. One of the things we'll be doing in heaven is definitely singing worship to Jesus. I think that is that is you know um, unquestionable. So very very important. One of those one of the few things in this life that we'll still be doing in the next. We won't be doing any evangelism. I don't know if we'll be praying in the same way, but probably we will be in some way. Anyway, we'll definitely be worshiping. Um, but yeah, I think the book goes beyond songs and singing. I think possibly in three ways. One is chapter one, which is all about the heart attitude. In other words, you've got to be a worshipper before you can um, lead others, hope to lead others in worship. And that's about your whole life. That's about your heart attitude to the Lord. Um, it has to be, you know, first and foremost, what we're looking for. Is in any, if we're looking for a worship leader in our church, it's got to be someone who loves Jesus, who really, you know, wants to, wants to worship Jesus. You know, and again, not just through song, but 
the song is like the outpouring. I think I described it in one in place in the book as like an iceberg, not coldness, but that little bit. The Sunday morning is like the little bit of the iceberg that pokes up out of the water. Then I've got chapters on, on gifts. Chapter four is prophetic gifts, how you handle the prophetic and, and bringing contributions from the congregation into the service to go alongside so the So it's singing. more of a collective worship as a collective act rather I, I, than rather than a performance on a stage where someone comes to watch. I definitely say that, yes. Um, and then chapter yeah. six is about other gifts, in other words, and I've, I've covered just a couple, really, a bit, a bit about dance, a bit about drama. And there's a whole section about how we treat the word of God, mm. you know, how we, how we, how we, how we devote ourselves. What does Paul say? First Timothy 4.13, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture. I don't know that how many churches really devote themselves to the public reading of scripture. They might do it, but, but there's so much more we could do. How, how can we make it dramatic? How can we make it different? How can we, how can we make it serious? How can we, you know, cover areas of the Bible, um, you know, so we get through it. Um, I think there's a lot more we can do in that area, but that's, that's something that goes alongside, alongside the singing, you know, often alongside the singing, you'll have a, you'll have a, a, a quotation from the Bible, a reading or whatever, but you know, how can, how can we do that more creatively? Um, and so on. And then finally, I've got another chapter, which is chapter eight, I think it is, which goes back to intimacy and getting a, that, that vision of heaven, that, bringing that vision of Jesus, joining with the angels, you know, that's one of the things we aim for in our worship, isn't it? And it, it does come out in song, of course, but in other ways too. Um, so I'd like to think that there's, there's, you know, there's spiritual foundation as well as practical outworking in the book. Mm, mm, great. Um, I noticed that at the end of each chapter, you've included some questions, a challenge, a list of resources as well. What, why, what prompted you to include these extra bits to each chapter? I mean, I think the, the ideal way the book would be used, I mean, there's lots of, obviously you can just read it. Please do <laughs> buy it and read it. But, but, but my ideal way for how it would be used is that it would be used alongside a, a new worship leader, alongside a more experienced one. And it could easily be a 10 week course. There are 10 main chapters if you take the introduction and conclusion off, um, 10 main chapters, do it over a term. Each chapter is a starting point. And I'm very aware that, you know, this is this is just the beginning in so many of the areas that I've talked about. Um, and that's why the other resources are there to encourage people to go on and read more, go and go and read some Tozer, go and, you know, get into some some uh, some other, you know, great writers on the subject. Um, and then some challenges, which are really to encourage a new worship leader to try some of the things to delve into the into revelation for themselves and find the worship you know the worship aspects in the book of revelation for example is is a tremendously helpful exercise for anyone any worship leader to do and so on so there's just the little challenges try this on a sunday morning try using a hymn if you don't normally use hymns um little 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 i suppose a little tips and little ideas for just putting a bit of creativity into your into your worship meeting. Mm, yeah, that's good. I know we talked about um, a few minutes ago about how um, you and I, we're not famous worship leaders. <laughs> uh, but 
I noticed you do have a very famous um, person who wrote the foreword to the book, who is the current Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby. How did that all come about? Well, it's a it's a it's a story with a, with a bit of sadness tinged to it, really, because um, we've had contact with our church with a church in. Goma in Democratic Republic of Congo for a number of years now and we went and visited, some of us went and visited uh, Goma in 2017 and we had a, a good relationship with the bishop there, uh, Bishop Desiree Mukaniwa and his wife Claudeline and their church and they're doing uh, a lot of, the, a lot, as much as they can really to help some of the poorest people in one of the poorest countries, Democratic Republic of Congo is always listed 170th, 180th, the you know the average sort of uh, people manage on less than two dollars a day. Most people, so it's it's pretty poor, pretty desperate, and they're running schools and um, agriculture, helping helping agriculture ministry and microfinance and tailoring training and various things to help people um, stand on their own two feet and to educate the new generation. Anyway, Bishop Desiree, good friend of ours, came and stayed over here in Southampton the following year, 2018. Um, but sadly, in 2020, he caught COVID and died. He passed away in July 2020, um, leaving his widow and four children. And um, he was also a friend of Justin Welby's. Justin had been out to visit Goma a couple of times, both before us and after us he visited. Um, he was a personal friend of Desiree's as well, so I can call him a friend of a friend. Uh, though I've never personally met him, but I ended up in some Zoom conversations in 2020 about how we could help his widow and their family with education costs and, and so on and so forth. There are no widows' pensions or anything, even for widows of bishops in, in Congo. Um, so uh, he was very helpful, and our, our church wanted to help as well, and some other people too. And one of the things I said to him via one of his secretaries was, if you could write a, a foreword for my book, I've just finished the book, summer 2020, I just finished writing the, the main part of the book. Um, you know, I, I, I'd like to donate my proceeds and profits from the book to uh, Desiree's family and his ministry, his charity in Goma. And Justin very kindly agreed to do that. And a couple of months later, I had, I had the foreword written from him, which is, which is incredibly gracious of him to do that. And certainly, I hope you know it's helped to get the book published and so on. Um, as I say, being an unknown author, it's quite hard to get get a, get a book published. But I think having Justin Welby's name on the on the book certainly helped. And I hope it will help sell it and and actually generate some funds um, that will help Claudeline Desiree's widow and her family and and the the, the charity that they run there in Goma. Mm, great, great story. Sad story, but sad in a way. But yeah, yeah. Um, one of the things I like to do on the Christian Book Blurb podcast is, yes, talk about books and writing, but also um, to get a, uh, a look behind the curtain, as it were, into the life of the author. So um, what do you do for fun, Richard? Have you got uh, hobbies or favorite things to eat or anything you'd like to share with us? Well, I have two pastimes that are very biblical, commanded in the Bible. You probably can think of what they might be, but uh, there are two. There are at least two pastimes that are commanded by one is running, run the race, you know, uh, so as to win the prize. 
Uh, physical exercise is valuable, Paul says. I like to run um, and try and get out a couple of times a week, run 5K. I have a beautiful area around where I live. Um, Southampton Common and Sports Centre are, are beautiful grassy tree areas. And my other one is, is bird watching, which is also commanded in the Bible. As you probably know, Matthew 6, look at the birds, Jesus says. Um, uh, so, you know, we, we have we have to be bird watchers uh, if, we're, if we're Christians. <laughs> um, but I, I, I'm, I'm a very amateur bird watcher, but I'm, I'm learning. I'm learning a lot more all the time. And yeah, I do love food and family. Like every, I'm sure everybody says that, but I have five boys. Three of them are married. One has two children, so I have two, two small grandchildren. And uh, so it's, it's great to go and uh, to visit with them and have them visit with us. Is that enough or do you want more? I don't know. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> That's great. One of my, I'll we, tell you one of my guilty... So gu- someone who likes bird watching in our church as well. I'll tell you one of my guilty pleasures. He's very serious. He's got all the posh telescopes and okay. everything like that. <laughs> I've got a little telescope, but which is quite helpful for getting pictures. But um, uh, my guilty pleasure is watching Bargain Hunt for just the last <laughs> half of it on, on, a, on, a, on a lunchtime. I have my lunch break and I watch the second half where they, where they sell the stuff. Yeah, and it's quite amusing if how much sometimes they make a lot of money more often they lose quite a bit <laughs> it's quite amusing oh, very good um, so your your writing process let's, let's talk about that for a moment um, how how do you write a book and I've spoken to various people on this podcast and everyone seems to do it in a very different way to each other. So there doesn't seem to be one sort of size, one size fits all. It just depends completely on the person. So are you like a post-it notes um, person? You stick ideas and all over the place? Or do you plan everything meticulously beforehand? Or is it just kind of sit down and say, okay, I'm going to talk about intimacy with God and its importance in worship and just kind of just sit and just write you know what's your process how do you do it very good question and it's not an easy one to answer I mean I started the process with the question can I write a book you know I didn't really know I think a lot of people you know millions of people would like think they'd like to write a book and think they could write a book and I kind of thought I could but I didn't really know until I started I had a load of great what I thought were great ideas and important stuff to try to get down. So I started writing bits and pieces, some of which became sort of chapters. Um, I would often take a chapter and start writing it, even if it wasn't in order. So, um, you know, a chapter like the one on seasons and lament, for example, which was about church seasons as well as natural calendar seasons. Um, seasons of lament, seasons where you have a new building or a new pastor, um, seasons of famine and feast, um, different sort of church. So that that chapter was relatively easy to write. It, it, it you know there was a lot of ideas, a lot of content to put in there. You just write about each bit, fairly straightforward. Other other things, you know, there was a lot of chopping and changing. So things that what goes together, I want you want to have kind of something that that has a bit of a flow to it and creating that was quite tricky in places so some bits have moved around the book started off in chapter eight turned moved into chapter three because i thought it went better with that thing and and that goes together better so working all that out took took some time there were there were 
I'm looking at my big dining table here. There were bits of bits of you know chunks of paper, and I'm sort of moving it around, thinking, "Well, that bit could go with that bit," and uh, and uh, moving it around the table and trying to get the get get the layout chapters laid out how I how I wanted them, and then obviously kind of the, you're going to kind of finish off each chapter and try to try and get the chapters looking vaguely consistent in length and not that they're all the same length they're not but um does that give an idea mm, yeah that's really good really interesting to see how different people approach this strange thing called writing yeah really good yeah. thank you um so we are coming into land now um but it's always great if people can find out more about you. Where can they get the book? Is there, you know, is there a website where you people can look at, um, or is it some of this content online or supplementary stuff that people, you know, get the book and think it's fantastic and think, oh, I wish there was a little bit more about I could find out on this topic or whatever. Sure, thanks, Matt. Yeah, uh, obviously you can buy the book you know from from a christian bookshop or online at eden or amazon or wherever i also encourage people to use their local christian bookshop if they have one but there's not so many of those these days um uh you can read a bit more on my blog site which is worshipleadingessentials.org worshipleadingessentials.org where i try to blog once a week but um it's been quite a busy period over the pub the publication of the book and so on so I've fallen a little bit off that target but I will get back to that hopefully and I I blog about a variety of things worship leading stuff new songs sometimes how the book's going uh, sometimes it's just um, inspiration from the Psalms for example um, hmm. yeah great and are you on social media you can or find Facebook? me on, on Facebook um, I am on Instagram yeah. but I'm not I'm not Richard Venable or Worship Leading Essentials? Sorry, I didn't quite catch that. On, on Facebook, are they looking for Richard Venable, your name, yeah. or Worship Leading Essentials? I don't, I don't, I think you have to look for me, me personally. Okay, great. All right, that's fantastic. So, if you are interested in worship, um, worship leading in particular, um, or you know somebody who is an aspiring worship leader or just starting out or indeed someone who's been doing it for years and years. Um, I really think that this book, Worship Leading Essentials by Richard Venable, is a really valuable resource and and tool for the church. And so, yeah, go and check it out. Go and get yourself a copy and, you know, read it for yourself or get a copy for a friend or a worship leader at church and because it'll be a real blessing to them i just want to say thank you so much to richard for joining us today on the podcast thank you for your time richard thank you so much for having me matt it's been a pleasure it's been great having you here and it's been great having the pleasure of your company as well as you've listened to us for having a great conversation all about books and writing for the last 26 minutes or so thank you so much for joining us and i do hope that you'll join us again for another edition of christian book blurb thanks for listening to christian book blurb with your host matt mcclary do give it a like give it a share and let your friends know all about it we do hope to see you again soon on another christian book blurb <laughs>